Amy Keeley and this is the Travel Weekly Podcast. I'm here with my colleague Ian Taylor and we're going to discuss some of the biggest headlines in travel. Starting with coronavirus, lots of cruise lines have had to cancel or amend itineraries in Asia, as I'm sure you will have all have read about. Um, More and more countries imposing travel restrictions in the region. We've got the Diamond Princess ship still in quarantine in Japan, though passengers have been offered voluntary disembarkation now. Operationally, this is a big challenge for the cruise sector and it's going to have a big financial hit, certainly in the short term. Carnival Corp said as much um, this week, warning that it will have a material impact on its financial results. Elsewhere, BA and Virgin have extended flight cancellations and tour operators to China are also having to rebook or refund passengers. But I guess what would be good to know is to get a gauge on really how serious is this outbreak and how long could it last? 99% of all cases are still in China. So the question of how, how big a problem it becomes is related to whether there are outbreaks uh, in Europe, elsewhere in Asia, and so on. For example, I, I would be very surprised if Thailand isn't fairly badly affected, and maybe Vietnam, simply because of the numbers of Chinese visitors who, who go to these, these, these places. For Asia as a whole, we now know from uh, Forward Keys, which collates um, GDS uh, bookings data, that the bookings to the whole of Asia, excluding China and Hong Kong, are now more than 10% down for March and April. So we, you know, we know the whole of Asia is going to be um, uh, affected by this, and you would expect if the, the outbreak peaks in the next month or two, that the impact of that will last through the course of this year. And so for businesses that are specialists, certainly to China inbound and outbound uh, they're going to have a very difficult mm. year mm. if they if they haven't got um okay well, uh, talk, talk alternative that, destinations that, the impact on the travel sector, sector in a minute i suppose when i say how serious i mean how obviously people are dying and people are contracting the illness people, it is spreading but there's, there's only a handful in the uk at the moment and there are some countries completely unaffected by it that, yeah. that don't have any impact at all um and a, a week or so ago it didn't look like it was as serious as as some of the media reports suggested. Wendy Wu herself said she thought it would have peaked last week. That that isn't the case. So I suppose I'd like to know how does it compare to SARS? Because you were here when when that outbreak happened. You're at Travel Weekly, so yeah. SARS, um, it's already surpassed SARS. SARS uh, was a uh, in some way it was more deadly. Uh, the death rate was higher. I think it was about 8%. The, the death rate from the coronavirus is about 2%. Um, it seems to be more uh, easily spread than SARS. So um, we know those. Look, most of the things we know about the coronavirus have not changed over the last two or three weeks. And the, the, the numbers of cases went up substantially overnight, largely because the Chinese changed their way of um, screening, uh, screening yeah. and classifying uh, those who, who, who have it. It's clear that at the outset, the Chinese authorities, the regional authorities reacted poorly and tried to suppress news about it and didn't react 
uh, appropriately. Uh, now the Chinese uh, are reacting in a sort of dictatorial way, which enables them to restrict movement and all the rest of it, which you, you would think may um, get on top of the virus, but of course it might already be too, too, too late. Um, there's a lot of misinformation about it, including among people in the industry. So I, somebody fairly senior in the outbound sector told me last week that the virus is difficult to catch. That's manifestly not true. It's uh, passed on between people like flu or a, or a cold. So it isn't difficult to, that difficult to catch. Somebody else told me yesterday, again, a figure in the travel industry, that there was already a vaccine ready. There's not a vaccine ready. It will take some months mm. for a vaccine yeah. to, to be ready. So it's not going to make a difference. But, you know, whether it extends beyond uh, China, we just, uh, seriously elsewhere, we just don't know. Don't it depends know. on the public yeah. health measures in, uh, that are being taken. Okay. So you touched on the impact it's having on the, the travel sector. So what, what um, size impact, how big an impact do you think it's going to have on cruise and the wider travel sector long term? On, on cruise in Asia, people visiting Asia to cruise, I would say that, that that part of the business is going to find it very difficult for people book cruises 18 months in advance. So who's going to book a cruise to Asia uh, now? Those who've got them booked are going to cancel. So you would think probably 18 months to two years, it's going to be very difficult for that that portion of the, the, the cruise sector. So I'm sure you'll see the cruise lines move ships uh, uh, away from uh, cruising around Asia. More generally, will it affect uh, the cruise lines? I'm not sure. I mean, the, the Diamond Princess being quarantined has been a, a running story in the media and therefore a running sore for the, the sector, but that will fade from memory um, uh, quite quickly, uh, I suspect. I don't see it unless, unless there become, you know, are there outbreaks in the United States, in the Caribbean, uh, in the Mediterranean, and so on. It's not going to have a, that long-term impact. Thus far, we haven't seen uh, much of any impact on the travel industry and the outbound sector generally outside of Asia. That that much is is clear. Um, Fritz Jusen the chief executive of TUI was asked specifically about this uh, on their results call this this week and he said there's been almost no impact uh, outside of Asia and pointed out that Asia's uh, a small destination from for bookings from Europe at this time of year. And it's worth pointing out, going back to cruise, isn't it, that actually the number of UK cruise passengers on sailings in Asia this time of year, very small. Very small. Look, it's, Asia is 3% of the UK uh, cruise market in, in a year anyway, and less than 2% of all European cruise mm. passengers go to, out of seven, more than 7 million, go to Asia for to cruise. So it's, you know, it's negligible. It's really. just the, the image problem, isn't it's it? It's the that perception, could, that's yeah. The, because, that's yeah. The, the challenge. Um, but it's worth, I, I mentioned it earlier, the BBC did a very good analysis piece um, talking about um, specifically cruises and how infections spread and are cruise ships more likely to spread disease than hotels, for example. But it was, it was very much in defence of the sector and said actually, it quotes doctors and cruise experts saying cruises have extremely stringent cleaning and screening processes 
um, and people are concerned, but they are still travelling and elsewhere in the world, ships are full and will continue to be. It was very optimistic, so... Yeah, you're more, you're more likely to catch the cold or flu on the tube in London. Exactly, yeah. yeah. OK, so let's move on to TUI then. You just mentioned um, the results there. This week they reported their best ever January, hailing the group's seizure of market share post-Thomas Cook. Just give us the top-line results, can you? Well... Fritz Hewson reported a 14% increase year-on-year in bookings for uh, the group. Um, He said the summer 2020 bookings in the northern region, which includes the UK, he wouldn't break out the figures for the the UK, was 17% up, and the average selling price is, is up. Um, so 20% more revenue for TUI in the first, up to February the 2nd, which is fairly uh, e- extraordinary. And that will almost wholly be in the UK because TUI's northern region is the Nordic countries in the UK. And we know that in the Nordic countries, the Thomas Cook, the former Thomas Cook businesses all continue to trade. So um, TUI put on an extra 21 aircraft, almost wholly from the UK, uh, contracted all the hotels it wanted to that Thomas Cook had and has picked up a huge proportion of the business and is selling at a good price. Where, where in particular have they... Turkey. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Cook was the biggest operator from the, to, to Turkey and uh, Jusen said uh, we, that TUI basically contracted all the hotels that Thomas Cook had in, in Turkey. He said people like these hotels... People used to go with Thomas Cook, now they go with us. I thought you were doing his accent then. No, I wasn't <laughs> going to do that. That <laughs> would be yeah. questionable. Yes, it would. Don't do that. Um, OK, what else did Fritz say on the call? Uh, he said various things. I mean, he was asked repeatedly about the, the Max. Too, he has basically wasn't planning to take the Max back into its schedules for this summer Um anyway and it'll use the winter to train pilots on it and have it back in the schedules for next summer assuming the max uh, returns to the uh, to, to flying um the one of the most interesting things he said i thought was that uh he's wholly comfortable with um brexit uh and doesn't expect it to be a problem for TUI uh, or for travel, even if um, there were to be no deal, although he expects, in his friend, he expects things to be rational uh, when, it, when it comes to it. But he pointed out that the, um, the pound is at its strongest uh, since uh, mid-2016, and he, in his words, that's beautiful for TUI's business. I'm sure it is. What else is there to say about Brexit, given we are in... The transition period, but we don't know what comes after December. Yeah, well, um, you've summarised it really. Uh, the there's no change for this year, and so there's a bit of a a lull uh, in people's anxiety or even thinking about Brexit. Actually, uh, and it's clearly there's a relaxation on the part of holiday uh, buyers because bookings are going uh, pretty well. All the indications are that the UK market is up year on year. And it's worth noting that last year will have turned out to have been a record year for outbound holidays uh, again for the third year uh, in a a row. Um, My feeling is that there'll be a return of uncertainty, certainly around June, when... um, 
the EU will be pointing out to Boris Johnson that he has to decide by June whether he wants to extend the transition, and he'll say he's not doing it, and so it'll hit everyone that so it's could, could a deal by ball. the end of the yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Then I suspect everyone will go on holiday in July and August and not think about it, and then in September we'll suddenly be approaching a new cliff edge at the end of the year, and so I would expect autumn uh, for a return of doubt, uncertainty, uh, and, and, and so on, and all the things associated with that. My own feeling is that uh, there will be a deal, but it will be very limited and leave various questions unanswered. Uh, for the travel industry, if there were to be no deal, we know that flights will still operate, uh, there'd be people would just have to make sure that they had six months on their passport when they went away. They'd have to expect some border delays, probably in France and certainly at Dover. I wouldn't recommend booking to go travel across the Channel uh, early January next year if there's no deal. Um, and the real problems are going to be not for consumers but for businesses um, in terms of uh, in the inbound sector and recruiting people with language skills because they'll no longer be able to recruit uh, in Europe from in the EU from January and that will be the case whether there's a deal or not uh, so that's a big issue and there's also the question of posted workers abroad contractors using contractors around the EU coach uh, operators their drivers you know and and so on people will only be able to work for 90 days in 180 and and that, that sort of thing so that poses all sorts of difficulties but the difficulties are for businesses rather than for consumers we can't go and set up our satellite office in seville I'd be very happy to do that. <laughs> Not we won't be able to next year. Um, just going back to two of results, they're having the best January. Um, what about the wider sector? What are you hearing from others about peaks trading? The impression is I'm getting is that uh, bookings are going well. It's much better than last January, but people all point out that last January was very difficult. So it feels to most people more like January 2000 and. Uh, 18, um, the people seem reasonably comfortable with uh, price, um, but with you, know, I think you're looking at more sort of inflation-related increases in 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 price. Um, I'd say people are cautiously optimistic about the the year, although Fritz Dusen said too he's going to have a very very good year. And they're the market leader. And they're the market leader. Mm. Okay, great. Thanks, Ian.